Well, we're starting a new series today, but before we get there, let me ask you, are, are you guys ready? How many of you, how many of you have one of these? Anybody? How many of you remember when we didn't have one of these? How many of you remember having one of these that, that, so, so phones, you know, that they can be great. Uh, you know, I, I remember um, my, my first cell phone, it was, it was the, looked like an army field phone. Y'all remember those? The, the Nokia brick phone. Was it Nokia? That, that was it. Yeah. So, so that, that thing was great. I dropped it off the roof. It hit the ground. It, it chipped a little piece out of it and worked just fine. Yeah. But all it did was talk. I know this is, this is going to be weird for some of you, uh, some of you younger ones. Did you know there was a day when all telephones did was allow you just to talk? You could just hear a voice. You, you, uh-huh. Some of you aren't believing. And they were attached to the wall, and, and you, you took the little hand, and there was a string. My, my oldest daughter called it the stringy phone. My, her, that's great. What, I don't know what happened there. Uh, so so the, the stringy phone, and, and if you were really cool like we were, you would get a cord that would go from the kitchen all the way down the hall into the bedroom. You remember those? Well, we live in a whole different world nowadays, and, and text, I remember when, when we, we had our, our little phones that, that, I don't remember if it was a flip phone or if we'd graduated to the other, where you could text, and, and you had to push like one, three times to get a C. Do you remember those? And then you go, I know, right? There are some kids in here that are like, what are you talking about? And, and so you, you do those. And, and texting is great. You know, our, our, our modern technology is awesome when it, when it works. And so, so here's the question that I have for you. Have you ever been texting somebody and then you get this message back? Who is this? Does that ever happen? Has that ever happened the other way to you? Somebody texts you and they say like you're supposed to know who this is and, and the number's not in your contacts and you're like, I don't know this number. And they're asking you these questions like you're supposed to know who that is. And, and you know, I, I, I try to play it off. It's kind of like if you're walking in town and there's someone and you're like, I know this person and if I talk long enough, their name's going to come to me, you know. And, and, and you're texting and then finally, you know, you just have to break down because the conversation is getting to where now you need to know who the person is to answer the questions that they're asking. And so you say, who are you? Has that ever happened? Okay, it's just me. Um, so, by the way, uh, we, if you have the U version of the Bible, you can go to, um, what is that called? Events. Go to events, and you can get the notes that way if you click on our little, little app thingy there. That's as technical as I get with that. We're starting a, a, a new series called Reset Church Edition. We, we, we began the year with, with how do we reset our hearts? How do we reset our minds? How do we reset our hands for service? And, and how do we reset our voice, that, that part that goes out from us? How do, how do we get that back to where God wants it to be? And, and so, so now we've moved into a, a four-week series called Reset Church Edition. And, and so... As we head into this, I, I just began thinking, you know, what are some things that we want to make sure that we are all on the same page about? What are some things that we want to make sure that we know and understand? And, and so I, I couldn't find any really cool, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that creative to find a really cool title. So this is Reset Church Edition, and today we're talking about vision. 
I know that that's not like, you know, super hip. I, I wish I could come up with some pithy little, I'm just not that cool. I need a whole creative team to, to help me do that, maybe. But it, but it got me started thinking, as we're, we're talking about vision, that, that sometimes we just need to say, who are you? Who, who is this? What do we tell people about who you are? And, and it reminded me of a conversation uh, that's recorded in the Bible. It's in Exodus, and it begins in chapter 3. And, and this guy named Moses, you, you may have heard about him. He, he like wrote some of the Bible, you know, the first five books. And, and, and so Moses is, and, and, and have you guys ever had God like interrupt your day? Has that ever happened to you? No? Okay, we'll pray, and he will. God, would you please interrupt my day? You never know what's going to happen. Cool things. So, so Moses wasn't praying that, but Moses was minding his own business. He's, he's tending the sheep, and, and he's going along in, in the mountains, and he sees what, what looks like a bush that's on fire. There's, I don't think there's like smoke and stuff. I think it was, it was enough different that it really kind of caught his attention, and he's like, I'm going to check this out. So he goes over, and, and long story really long, no, long story short, uh, God is speaking to him from this bush. And, and, and you know, Moses knows that it's God. Uh, the, the, the Greek word for God is Elohim. I just say that just because it's fun for you to know. Whenever you see a Hebrew word that has L-E-L at the end, it's, it's talking about God. It has God in the name. And so, so Elohim, God, is speaking to Moses from the bush, and, and he's, he's telling, you know, he's calling Moses, you know, to, to come and set his people free from, from slavery in Egypt, and Moses does like we do, you know, he, he's like making all these excuses up, and, and so finally we, we get to the place, Moses is yielding, and, and Moses, this is really fun, but Moses basically says, this is my paraphrase, who are you? Who, who are you? Now, now we, when, when we ask stuff like that, you know, we're, we're looking for a name, a, a handle. You know, is it, is it Bob or Fred or Sally or Sue? And try to pick names that weren't here so you don't think I'm picking on you. Sorry if we have a Sally or Sue here. But, or if you're from Texas, it could be Jim, Billy, Joe, Bob, or Jim, Billy, Joe, Bob, all together. Um, and I'm from Texas, so I can say that. My name's not Larry Bob, though. That's two different people in VeggieTales. You've got Larry and you've got Bob. We don't put them together. Anyways, so, so who are you, Moses is asking. And he's not like looking for a handle. He, he knows it's God. They already have a name that they can call God. It's, it's Elohim to distinguish who they're talking about. And Moses is asking, when he's asking God that, what does he really want to know? If he's not looking for like the name, God does give him a name, but, but it's much more than that. What Moses is saying is, is no, who are you? Have you ever had like your, your child or for some of you ladies, it's your husband, it does something especially nice and you're like, who are you and what have you done with my child? <laughs> Moses is, is asking God, I, I don't just need to know what to call you because I have a name for that, but I want to know who you are because I'm going to go and tell these people that you have sent me and you're going to use me to set them free and they're going to want to know about you. They're going to want to know who you are and I need to know what to tell them. Well, God answers, you know, I am that I am. There, there are several different ways to translate that in, in, in the Hebrew. Um, we end up with, I am, which really kind of 
sums up God. I, I am. But there, there's a cool thing in here that, that God says just a couple of verses down. He says, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, that's that I am, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Moses, you want to know who I am. You want to know about my character and my nature. Who I have been for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will be for you. That's who I am. You want to get to know me? I'm the same one that moved in the life of Abraham and called him and said that I would bless him and bless all nations through him. I'm the one that that worked in Isaac, his son, his only son. I'm the one that changed the life of this guy named Jacob, cheater. And, And who I was for them, I will be for you. Well, you know, who are you is not a bad question to ask. It's not a bad question to ask people. Who, who are you? Well, my name's Larry. No, no, that, that's your name. I, I want to know who you are. I want to know about your character and your nature. Well, it's not a bad thing to get to know people and get to know who they are, but it's also not a bad question to ask a church. Who are you? And, and, and we, we get this question asked to us probably in, in a lot of different ways. You know, if you invite someone, hey, you know, I go to First Baptist Church, Clawcroft, I'd like to invite you to come and, and come to church with us. And, and, and they, they usually don't just come right out and say, well, all right, well, you've got to tell me something about these people. <laughs> Here, here's my pat answer when people ask. I say, you know what? The pastor's okay, but the people are really nice there. <laughs> You need to come visit the great people. The pastor, he's all right, but the man, the people are really, really nice. Because people want to know, as we begin, as we want to do a reset church edition, we need to know, who are we? I want you to know, and I want to be able to know, what do I say to people when I invite them to church? And they say, well, tell me some about your church. And and here's where we usually go, well, uh, we've got a children's program, we have a youth program, we have Sunday schools for, you know, cradle to... The other end, um, I almost said grave. We don't go quite that far. Um, we, we have Sunday school programs. We have Bible studies. We have small groups. We have worship. We, you know, that, that tends to be where we go, but is that who we are? I think that's really more what we do. And I don't want what we do to be confused with who we are. So let's talk some about our vision. And, 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 and the way that, that we, we've been talking about vision in, in, in recent years is vision is who we are. And, and so let me, let me just help you to understand so that you know, we have some guests that are here, so that you know who we are. Who, who is this crazy bunch of people that gather at, at this building that has First Baptist Church Cloudcroft on the outside? Who are we? Well, I, I'll tell you who we are. And, and it's three, three little two-word phrases that, that we, we want to be able to use to describe who we are. Sometimes we have to admit this is, this is more who we want to be. But, but our vision is this is who we are. The first is this. We are Christ followers. We're committed family. And we're compassionate friends. When we, when we want, want, want to describe who we are, our character and nature as this, this local body of Christ, this local gathering of believers, we want that to be our description. 
Christ followers, committed family, and compassionate friends. And we get this really from uh, just a phrase that you may have heard from a lot of people. Love God, love others. It comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. And, and you know the story uh, that religious leaders always trying to trap Jesus, you know. Boy, we've we got to find something to get him on. You know, he's, he's got too big of a crowd, too big of a gathering. We're losing our people. We need to get them back and, and discredit this guy somehow. So they send an expert in the law, and, and their question to him was uh, the expert comes up and he says, okay, Jesus, and, and, and of course, you, you never want to ask this alone if you're trying to discredit someone. There's a big crowd there, and, and he says it loud, and he's probably a very respected person in the community. He comes up and he says, uh, Jesus, Jesus, I, 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 have this, I have a question for you. What's the greatest commandment? And the idea is, if we can get him to say what the greatest commandment is, commandment is then, then we can try to nail him on all the others. You're saying the others aren't important? And I love it that Jesus just blows, blows them away all the time. And, and, and here's basically what he says. Love God with everything that you are. He, he quotes in Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I'm sure that the religious leader, the expert, was like, oh, man, I didn't think of that one. And, and I bet... I, this is just my imagination. I, when I read scripture, man, I just try to immerse myself like I'm there. And, and, and I, bet, I bet he was getting ready to turn and walk away. And Jesus goes, oh, wait, wait, the second one's like it. And he's thinking, what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's this whole big discussion, who's my neighbor? Uh, by the way, that's a fun VeggieTale movie if you ever want to see it. Um, if you're a Star Trek fan, they have the USS Apple Pies in there. Okay, it's more funny for me. So, so that's what we base this on. Who are we? On, on, on this, this passage of scriptures that, that we're, we're called to love God with all that we are and love others like we love ourselves. And, and, and the way we phrase it is Christ followers, committed family, and compassionate friends. So let me describe, let me take just the next few minutes and, and describe to you what we mean by those. So, so let's start with Christ followers. Following Jesus means that you are submitting your will to his. And, and, and here's why we say it this way. Instead of just saying Christians, you know, language is funny. The more you use language, then the more the meaning of the words change. Have you ever noticed that? No? How many of you know what a TV is? Do you know that that really stands for television? <laughs> right? And then, and then the whole text thing is really messing up uh, our, our language a whole lot. JK, no, I'm kidding. That's what JK means, just kidding. Um, LOL, because you did laugh out loud, so that's kind of cool. The reason, the reason that, that we don't just use the who, who are we, why we're Christians, because people have a lot of different ideas of what that means. For, for some, that means that I go to church, and that's not what we mean by this, this part. Although... Christ followers do go to church. Um, for, for some, it means that, that, it, that at some point that, that I, I had an experience where I, I came, we would say that we came to faith in Christ. And, and that's part of what this means, but that's not all of what this means. So, so we chose to describe uh, who we are in, in this realm by saying that we are Christ followers. And, and part of that is that, that being, being a Christ follower, a follower of Jesus, means that I have submitted my will to his. Now, I know people, and we all could fall into this if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, 
where there are times where like you're not submitting to his will. You're not submitting your will to his. But, but here's where we want to be, and this is Matthew 16, 24. I put the references in there. We won't go through all, but for, for you to go back and look later. Following Jesus means submitting your will to his. And, and here's the way that you might hear this said, said, said. I hung around kids too much yesterday. Um, by the way, Kurt, um, ultra marathon, is that what you said? I have an alternative. Um, I think I've discovered the ultra light marathon. Um, we were riding on the bus yesterday. Got, got to go with the kids for Science Olympiad, which, by the way, they did great. Oh, we, we've got some Science Olympiaders, Science Olympians. That's it. Some Science Olympians in here. You guys did awesome. Uh, um, Hope's riding in the back of the bus because that's where she can behave best, I guess. I don't know. And I'm riding in the front of the bus because I have to take Dramamine to ride in a bus to start with. So, and, and we're going along, and we get there. She goes, hey, Dad, like three-quarters of the way here, my Fitbit buzz. And I'm like, what? I look down, I've already got 10,000 steps. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. The ultra-light marathon is I'm in the front of the bus. I only got like 3,300, but hey, you know, whatever works. I start off my day uh, with 3,300. Anyways, that's just totally beside. Ultra-light marathoning. You go for ultra-marathon, I go for the ultra-light. Um, we got another bus ride coming up because they made it to stay. Yay. All right, I'm way more excited than you are. Um, Christ followers, following Jesus means you submit your will to his. And the way you might have heard this said is that, that he's our Savior and Lord. And, and when we're talking, especially with younger people or maybe people who aren't from church, the, the word Lord there means boss. That means that he is an authority over you and, and you have submitted your will to his. And so when we're talking about what does it mean to be a Christ follower, part of that is that, that it's not my will, but I submit my will to his. That, that's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus, what would you have me do? Not, not, there were the bracelets a while back that, see, what would Jesus do? Just ask him. You, you don't have to try to figure out what, you can say, what did he do? But Jesus, what would you have me do? What a great way to start the day. Jesus, what would you have me do today? Following him means joining him wherever he is. It talks about that in John chapter 12. So, so I, I know if we, if we think this through in the physical realm, this makes more sense to us, but, but, but we get this messed up in, in our walk with Jesus you know, we want Jesus to come where we are, right? Footprints in the sand, anybody? You know, we, we want him to walk alongside us. But you know, whenever Jesus goes and talks, when he's calling his disciples and not just the 12 who became apostles, what, what he's saying is, come and follow me. That means you have to go where he is. You join him. Wouldn't this be way better? And Henry Blackaby really kind of nailed this with experiencing God is look and see where God is working. So in this realm, look and see where Jesus is, and then we go join in with him. We, we, we go where he is. That's what it means to follow him, right? And we know that in a physical sense. If I asked you to follow me and you said, okay, and you told me to come over there, I'd say, wait, that's backwards. I'm following you if I do that. You follow me. So it means that we join him wherever he is. Following Jesus means putting your faith in him and not in tradition or culture. And, and the verse here is, is Matthew chapter 3. It's John. If you ever, uh, this, this is fun. This is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer is probably a better way to say it. Um, we didn't have denominations back then. I've heard some people try to 
He was a Baptist. I mean, John the baptizer, the one that, that came right before Jesus. And, and it's really fun because he, he was a very politically correct guy. John the Baptist was. He, he, he wanted to really soften stuff for people. So, you know, the, the Pharisees are coming out to be baptized because, you know, the crowds are starting to come and they want to see what this is about. And he says, you brood of vipers, hypocrites, <laughs> snakes. And I mean that in love. I mean, he never added that. Um, but, but, but what he's... What he was getting at there is, you know, you, you guys are relying on your heritage. You guys are relying on your tradition. You guys are relying on your good works. None of that is going to save you. But the one who's coming, he will save you. That, that's what this verse is about. But following Jesus means that we put our faith in him. Not in the fact that we go to church and not in the fact that my great-great-grandfather was a deacon at Ladonia Baptist Church in Texas. You ever been to Ladonia? You, you had to have been purposefully going there. We were married there in that church where my, I think it was just my great-grandfather was a deacon. You, you can't rely on that. So being a follower of Jesus means that you trust in him, not in your traditions, not in your culture, not in your works, not in anything else. Being a follower of Jesus means you trust only in him. And finally, following Jesus means letting nothing come between him and you. And, and the verse that's listed here is, is one of these hard verses in Scripture. You know, there, there are several of those. Jesus says, hey, look, because the crowds, the crowds were getting huge. And there were people just kind of checking out Jesus. Sometimes we're there. They're just kind of checking him out. I just want to you know, see what, what all this is about. And Jesus says, hey, look, look, here's, if you want to be my disciple, here's the thing. You have to love me above all else. More than your mother, more than your father, more than your sisters, your brothers, your children. You have to love me above all else. The way that he said it actually got their attention. If you don't hate your mother and your father, your sisters and their brothers, and deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, then, then you can't be my disciple. That got their attention. It means letting nothing come between him and you. We actually had this talk. Uh, last semester in, in one of our small groups in, in our youth group. And in, in a moment of transparency, there was one of the youth that said, I can't do that. I can't love Jesus more than I love my mom and dad. That's hard, isn't it? What Jesus is saying is that nothing can come between you and him. Nothing. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So that was Christ followers, committed family. Uh, what, what we're talking about here is, is that we're committed in this local body of Christ. We are a family. The Bible calls us uh, local churches, the household of God. In fact, I, just so you know, most of the time in Scripture, we're talking about a, a church, which means an assembly or a congregation, maybe a better translation of that word. It's talking about a local group. And, and so... So what we're talking about here is that, that we're committed family in, in this, this, this group of people that we identify with as First Baptist Church Cloudcroft. And, and we commit in several ways. One is we're committed to serving one another. Wouldn't that just be great? <laughs> we're just committed to serving one another. Uh, we're going to show a video later on in a series called Me Church. Uh, we, we've seen it in here before, but it's really fun. Um, 
And, and, and if we're not careful, because of the culture, the society that, that, we, that we live in, we come to receive, and, and you should. You, you should be blessed every time you gather together with God's people. But that's not our main reason in coming. And, and when we commit together, that we're committing to serving one another. In, in Romans chapter 12, it really talks about that, verses 3 uh, through 8. But the part that, that I want us to, to notice here, it, it says... Uh, Having gifts, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So we use the gifts that God has given us and we serve one another in the body of Christ. That's what we're called. We're all members individually, but together in the body of Christ and we serve one another. So, so part of that committed family that we're talking about thing is that we're committed to serving one another. How cool is that? Jesus demonstrated, you remember? It was with his disciples, and he gathers them together. And 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 Jesus, I, I think, I think, I think Jesus loved just kind of blowing the disciples' minds every now and then because he does it. And 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 they're there, and and Jesus, Jesus takes his, his robe off, he puts a towel around his waist, and he gets the bowl, and he goes over and he takes the role that the lowest servant would have, and and. The, now, mind you, if we did this today, this would, be, this would be hard enough. If I ask you all to take your socks and shoes off, and I started over here with Kurt and, and began to wash his feet and went around, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that guy over there is going to start feeling really uncomfortable. And, and we'll find out which one of you washed your feet well or not. And we wear socks and shoes. Imagine if we went around in open-toe sandals all the time. Stepping in who knows what. Any germaphobes in here? If you don't think you're a germaphobe, think about licking the bottom of somebody's shoe. Right. And so Jesus is doing this, taking, taking this, this role of a, of a lowly servant, and, 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 he's, and he's washing the, the, their feet, and, and Peter says, nah. That's Texan for, no, sir, I don't believe so. He says, Lord, no. You, you can't wash my feet. And then Jesus said, if, if, basically, if, if you don't allow me to serve you, then you can't have any part with me. And he's, I believe he's talking bigger than there. He's talking about the crucifixion. And Peter, Mr. Ready, Fire, Aim guy, says, all right, then wash me all. <laughs> Wash my head too. Jesus says, no, 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 just, just this. That we serve one another. Jesus set the example for us. If there's anybody who deserves to be served, it's Christ. It's Jesus. And that he said, I came not to serve, I'm sorry, not to be served, but to be a servant for all. So, so we commit to serve one another. The second thing is we're, we're committed to loving one another. And this is, this is Romans. It's, it picks right up where the other one left off. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. I love that. Love on one another like you mean it. It's <laughs> kind of the way that, that I see that. With, with brotherly affection. And then he challenges us. This is the Apostle Paul. He challenges, challenges us. So, so what a great way. What, if we want to do a challenge as a church, how about this? Here's what Paul says. Outdo one another with showing honor. Let's see who can outdo one another. Isn't that great? To, to love on one another, showing honor. 
Don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Continue, I'm sorry, contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality. So, so what he's talking about here is that, that we're not only committed in, lo- or committed in serving one another, we're committed in loving one another, and that means forgiving one another. Isn't that, isn't that something? I love it. Matthew chapter 18, you know, it's got our, our church discipline kind of kind of passage in there. And after Jesus gets through talking about, you know, this whole thing, if your brother sins against you, go to him. And if he doesn't listen, take others and tell it to the church. He gets through all that. Peter says, <clears throat> Jesus, uh, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me and repents? Seven? I think Peter, like, was going, three's got to be plenty, but I'm going to go big. <laughs> seven times? And then after that, I, I, you know, that's it. Jesus is 70 times seven. The idea is this, as long as he comes back and repents. That, that's how many times you forgive him. And, and that we do that, 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 that we, we're committed in loving one another as a family. We're a committed family. And, and you know what? How many people in here have never had an argument at all in your family? You've never gotten irritated with anybody in your family because I'm like going to be adopted by you. <laughs> We're just going to do that, aren't we? We're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to, hopefully not on purpose, but we're going to offend one another. The Bible calls that sin. We're going to sin against one another. That's going to happen. This is going to but we're committed in loving one another. And that means that we're, we're committed in seeking reconciliation. We're, we're, we're committed in, in um, uh, really having whole and, and right relationships with one another. That's what, what really the love is. Love is always demonstrated. It's not a feeling. I, I don't mean it, we look at one another as a little heart pop, that kind of thing. That's not what love scripturally is. That, that's, in, well, that's another word. But anyways... Um, Eros is that form of love, a romantic kind of love. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but that we really love one another. We're, we're committed in loving one another. And then the finally, that we're committed in encouraging one another. I, I love that. And, and this is the one pastors always go to to keep people from um, skipping church. Um, Here's what it says, Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The idea is this, that, that, that we're committed to one another, we're, we're committed to encouraging one another. That, that word, stir up to love and good deeds. How many of you have wood-burning stoves in here? Anybody? Um, fireplace? That doesn't work so well here, but the, unless you've got the insert. But 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 sometimes you, you can throw some logs on the fire, and it, it just not nothing big is happening. Um, you know, you've got the embers, and you throw the logs on there, and nothing big is happening. And and I love to do this. I love to to watch, and it's smoldering a little bit. By the way, I'm a little bit of a pyromaniac. There's a there's a bed on fire story that goes with that. We don't have time for. Um, I was a kid. I was young, young. Didn't do it on purpose. Unintended consequences. Anyways, so I love to get to that point, and then, and then you just go and just move one of those logs a little bit. Let's the air go through, and boy, you get this raging fire. That's kind of what it's talking about here. How do we, he says, consider, think of ways, find ways, be intentional in stirring one another up to love and good deeds. That means, 
We're committed and encouraging one another in our walk with Christ. Oh, you know, I'm going to pick someone I don't think is here. Fred. We don't have a Fred. Unless you're visiting and I just totally pour your name out of the air. So Fred, boy, he's, he's, boy, he's messing up, isn't he? He's, Fred's not, not doing much. I, I don't know how his walk is. Man. What this scripture tells us to do and, and what we're called to do really in, in the body of Christ is we need to go to Fred and, and rekindle some of those embers. Stir him up. Speak words of life to him. Go to him with, with, with scripture. Maybe, maybe he needs somebody to come alongside and walk with him for a while. Maybe Fred's having a tough time in his walk. And we stir one another up to love and good deeds. The final thing is this, compassionate friends. What does that mean? We already talked about being Christ followers. We already talked about being committed family. Now, compassionate friends. This is really more of the, the, the outside other part. The, the, the loving others uh, as committed family is more with, within the body of Christ. The compassionate friends is those outside the body of Christ. And, and for this, we're going to jump back to Romans chapter 12 and, and really the, the rest of that chapter. And, and here's what Paul says, and, and he's really just echoing the words of Jesus Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Wouldn't that be, just be nice? <laughs> Can't we all just get along? <laughs> it can. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Man, that one's hard. Just to be quiet. (laughs) Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Let me just add, let me just stop right here. That doesn't mean, when, when he says don't avenge yourselves, you know, basically God will take care of that. Sometimes we, 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 we think we're being a little bit spiritual here, and we say, God, get them. Just get them. You told me not to take vengeance, but Lord, just rip them to shreds, would you? Now, David prays some prayers that are kind of like that. That's really kind of fun. There are times where the Bible just kind of says what it is, and it doesn't say if it was good or bad. It just says it. And I don't think Jesus prayed the God, get them kind of prayers. And in fact, I can think of one particularly. He's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. And he says, to the contrary, rather than that, if your enemy is hungry, slap him. No, that's not what it says. I know, huh? You got the wrong version. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And he's using the word enemy. I mean, that's pretty harsh. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I know I'm going to make him miserable by being nice to him. Right? How how do we say that? We're going to kill him with kindness, aren't we? That's not what he's talking about here. He's he's talking about winning them really to the Lord and, and heaping burning coals. What he's saying is, look. If you reflect Christ to them rather than the world, God's Spirit will work in their hearts. That's what we want, isn't it? Somebody's your enemy, 
We don't want God just to mash them down with his thumb. We want him to change their hearts, bring them to faith in Christ. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here's, let me quickly give you just a couple of things a compassionate friend does. Three things. A compassionate friend, first of all, overall, he reaches out. That's what a compassionate friend is. So when we're talking about that we're compassionate friends here, that we're known as a church that reaches out into the community. We're not a holy huddle. I know today's there's like some football game happening or something later. Um, I'm not going to go there. Um, so, so a compassionate friend <clears throat> reaches out. I, I want us to be known. We think of who we are as a church that reaches out into the community. We're not a holy huddle. We're not here for us. Now, this can be the huddle, and we can come here and encourage one another and, and strengthen one another in the Lord to go out and do what God has called us to do. So a compassionate friend reaches out in persecution. Uh, that, that talks about that in, in, in this one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and don't curse them. Don't say bad things about them, but encourage them. Speak words of life to them. In good times and bad, this is something that... that have you ever, like, you know somebody and something just horrific has happened in their life and you're like, I don't even know what I could say. I, I don't have words. As a pastor, this happens to me a lot. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to have like, you know, all the pithy little things to say. I'll just be really, really honest and open with you. There are times where I just go and I just cry with you. That, that's like the best. Because when you're hurting, some of those things just don't help much. What he says here is weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be happy for them when God is doing something in their life or when things are going well for them. When things aren't, you don't say, well, I knew they were going to get it eventually. <laughs> you go and you weep with them. That's what a compassionate friend does. In conflict, <laughs> this, this part in, in verse 18 it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Here's kind of the, here's kind of the, the gist of this. The from you part, that's almost literally what that means, so far as it depends on you. The from you part, let it be peace. Yeah, but you don't know what they're saying about me. I know. I mean, I don't know, but I know it could be bad. But the part that comes back from you, just let it be peace. Yeah, but... They're being really nasty. Okay. But the part that comes back from you, just let it be peace. It's what a compassionate friend does. You ever have a friend that just unloaded on you? That ever happened? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to preach to me for a minute. So, somebody just unloads on you. The part that comes back from you, let it be peace. That's hard, isn't it? Here's the deal. When we think about who we are, our, our, our vision, we're, we're first of all Christ followers. Because none of that other stuff's going to happen if you aren't following Jesus. And, and if you've never come to the place in, in your life, may, maybe, um, may, maybe this is the first time you, you've been back to church in a long time. Or, or maybe, and maybe, 
You're like me. I didn't grow up in, in a church home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And Maybe you've never come to the place where you've, you've come to faith in Christ. Can I just encourage you today? Let me just let you know. We've got this problem. The Bible calls it sin. That sounds real judgmental. It's not really. It's just truth. We've all sinned. We know it. Here's what God did because he loves us so much. Jesus on the cross. And I can say this and know it's true, but I can't fully comprehend it. So I just, just want to let you know right up front. On the cross, God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Here's what that means. That God took our sin. He placed it on Christ on the cross. And then Jesus, having taken our sin, bore the wrath of God, the punishment of God for our sin, so that we could be the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus took your sin, and he took the punishment for your sin so you could have a right relationship with God. That's, that blows me away. And, 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 and if you've never come to the place where you began, began, became, began to follow Jesus, you can do that today. For for some, maybe maybe you have, and maybe you realize that you know, I really haven't been following Jesus lately. If following Jesus means that I submit my will to His, I'm not sure I fall into that category. If following Jesus means that I don't let anything come between me and Him, I'm not real sure that I'm in that category. I've got some good news for you today. Just as you don't have to work your way to salvation, you can't do that. Jesus paid for your sin. You don't have to work your way back into a right relationship with God if you've, if you've wandered a little bit, if you've not been following Jesus. You know what it takes? Same thing as initially coming, coming to Christ. Just believe. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and so... If that's where you are today, you just you can just say, Jesus, I just want to follow you. I just want to follow you. We want to be Christ followers first and foremost. We we want to be committed family. And and that means that that here that we ask some things of you. We 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 want you to commit in this body of Christ. And, and I know, and, and I'd be glad to sit down and, and talk with you. People say, well, you know, church membership and, you know, and all this other stuff. I, um, you know, show me in the Bible. Show me, show me where that little card is that we have to fill out. I'd be glad to talk with you about that. But, but, the, but the, the short answer is this, that, that we see in Scripture that, that believers are committed to one another in local bodies of Christ. And, and so we're, we ask for a commitment. Here's some things that we ask. And then compassionate friends. We, I don't want to be known as that, we already may be known as that weird little group <laughs> that meet at the end of Borough Street. That's okay. But I don't want to be known as that little group that is just a group unto themselves. I, I want First Baptist Church Clawcroft to be known as a church that cares about a community that cares about the people. I want us to be known as compassionate friends. We walk with one another through difficult times. We walk with them through difficult times. And that we reach out. 
And so as we, as we close today, let, let, me just, let me just challenge you this way. Would you today just say, God, I just, I just want to do that. I just want to follow Jesus. I, I want to be committed in, in, in a local body of Christ. And I want to be known as a compassionate friend that, that reaches out to other people. And then however the Lord leads you to respond, just, just leave that open to him and, and just let him touch your heart. Let's pray. God, you're, you're amazing. You don't give us what we deserve, and that's punishment for our sin. For those who, who have become followers of Jesus, for those who've come to faith in Christ, your word tells us that our debt of sin was canceled, and that only happened because Jesus paid for it on the cross. And, and all we simply do is respond. You did all the work. that we just simply believe or trust in Christ and repent, we turn away from our old life. And, and even that is not anything of ourselves, God. You, you just do that work in us. And we thank you. We thank you for your love, that you never give up on us. You always pursue us in a relationship. And God, as a local body of Christ, as a local group of believers, of followers in Jesus, I, I, my prayer is, is, Lord, that we would be known as Christ's followers. These are people who follow Jesus. They take him seriously. That we'd be known as, as a committed family that, that when the world looks, looks from the outside in, that they say, look how those people love one another. They must be followers of Jesus. That that's the way we treat one another serving one another and encouraging one another. And God, I pray that, that, Lord, we would never get inward focused, even though we love hanging out with one another and we love fellowshipping together and studying your word and, and being together, God, that we would never let that be the focus. But, but God, we'd also be known as compassionate friends, that, that this group of believers would be known as people who love and care about those outside of the faith in the community. And that God, the part they see from us would be Christ. Always. And if it's not, Lord, that we'd have the boldness to go and confess our sin to them and ask them to forgive us even though we know that you have. And walk in relationship with you in front of the world. Loving them. Blessing them. Being a blessing to them. God, we want that to be who we are. And we ask you to work in our hearts, bring about the change, Lord, that you can do to help us be more like Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen.